All right. 115 to the end of the book is a complete cluster of point of views. We we can usually split conversations into, you know, Kaladin and then Shalon and Dalinar. No. It, we you, you get a half a page of character A, a half a page of character B, back to character A, over to character C, back and forth, back and forth. That happens for the rest of the book. So buckle up. This is a frantic pace. I, I know if you're listening to an audiobook, right, you, you kind of you, you set the speed that it's going to read to you, and it sticks to that speed, right? I, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm reading a, a physical book, when things get crazy like this, my reading speeds up and, you know, I'm, I'm constantly like skimming through actually to the point where, and I'd love to hear if anyone else out there does this to themselves. I end up like mini spoiling myself sometimes. Like I'll be reading along and it's just getting too intense. I just have to know what's about to happen. So my eyes start to wander down the page a little bit. I'm like, wait, no, but, oh crap, no, I can't read ahead. I got to go back. And so sometimes I'll like skip over paragraphs in my, you know, haste to like figure out what's going to happen. I was definitely doing that through some of these, these chapters here. 115. 115 has seven point of view characters and 116 has eight point of view characters. So. All right. So. It's it's kind Sounds of like a normal Shalon chapter to me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. That, that was, was very good. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's not on the scale of the rest of this chapter, but I I want to highlight the visual that you get in one fifteen at the very the very beginning of the chapter. Dalinar is in his room, watching the Everstorm approach. His uh, his coalition has just shattered all around him, and he's thinking, man, Odium played his hand extremely well. I have lost all of my support. The ships have sailed in with the Everstorm, and we're completely surrounded. And he has the Way of Kings on as a tome. Remember that he can't read it. He just has it there as like a talisman. Like, he, he kind of just basically prays to it because he doesn't believe in the almighty anymore. He just kind of holds it, carries it around with him. And just the visual of the, the still, the, the still air and then the ever storm approaching on the horizon with the ships like underneath it being pushed with it. Like oh, that just sounds so cool to me. Of uh, he, he looks out the windows, red and black lightning and these, these Thalen ships approaching the city. Like that's just really cool to me. I do think this imagery and and what's happening in this. We'll talk about this more later, but in like an on-screen adaptation, this would be just. This is like the moment everyone is waiting for, and like it's just, like incredible and daunting. Well, while we're mentioning you know epic visuals, one one moment from this chapter that actually. Well, it might have been the next chapter. One of the one of the moments from this whole battle that I thought would be really cool visually is the moment where the thunderclass. I know I'm getting a little ahead of us, but when the thunderclass rips open the the reserve, the Thalen reserve where all the the gems are, 
and just like throws the building like through the air and it talks about all of the the spheres like millions of them just flying everywhere and i just envisioned this like multicolor you know rainbow of just glowing spheres just flying everywhere just that would look crazy cool in a I, visual yeah. adaptation i agree I always imagine the gemstone reserve is like a bunker, like it's underground. I don't think yeah. that's that's true, but that's always how I envisioned it. And then he just like, yeah, grabs the entire safe and just throws it over his shoulder, trying to find the the king's drop. One fifteen jumps between Shadesmar and um, on Roshar specifically, and. Kaladin and Shallan and Adolin show up to the Oath Gate. This is actually back in part four. They show up to the Oath Gate and there's an army of Red Spren in front of them. And 115 ends and all of the Spren vanish. And Kaladin's like, uh, I don't know what that means, but that also means that they're not here. So let's attack the Oath, let's attack the Oath Gate now. And the plan they come up with, we can actually, let's just talk about Kaladin and Shallan. For 115 and 116. Um, the plan they come up with is Kaladin uses all their Stormlight, pretty much, and like makes a show and flies up and says, Hey, Fused, come after me. And four of them jump up and chase him, like through these through the mountains, um, is what it says. Uh, through the forest and the mountains. And Shalon basically summons a an army of light weavings and pattern sill and adolin pretend they're light weavings with them they kind of walk around swinging their swords aimlessly because that's what shallan is having the the light weavings do while she's trying to talk to the spread of the oath gate so i i want to talk for a second about the spread of the oath gate uh, so she's talking to them, and basically all she's getting is no. It's like, no, you cannot use this oath gate because we are bound to honor. We have, you know, our bond. You're not allowed. Long story short, you're not allowed. And she's like, what do you mean? Like, the other oath gate we got through, like, we were allowed through. And they're like, that's impossible. We are bound to honor, like, whatever. You can't do it. And so this... As usual, this raised a question for me of is she able to get them to like just not abide by their oath? Or was the other one like a different way to get through? Like, I don't know, was there some kind of evil way? Because it was, I mean, they've been in Shadesmore for a while now. Like, it was when they were like with the unmade, right? They, they went through. There were three unmade there at the time. There was the Heart of the Rebel, there was Jean-Nat, and uh, Yelignar, um, who was in Queen Aesodon. And it's actually... Actually, I'm not going to tell you that. Yeah, I will. Um, it's actually Jean-Nat that lets them into Shadesmar, not the Oathgate. Okay. And and that seemed implied from that scene that Jean Not was the one doing the 
transfer or driving the the transfer there because it seems from this scene that there must be a difference between using an oath gate to go from one oath gate in the physical realm to another oath gate in the physical realm because we've seen that happen a lot right ever since we we figured out how to do that our radiants have been doing that like every day and the spread of the oath gates haven't stopped that but now here's shalon trying to get from shadesmar to the physical realm and they're saying oh no you can't do that the <clears throat> honor has locked these gates you can't you can't do that anymore and our only example of that we've seen was that instance in Kolinar where seemingly Shah Anat caused that to happen. So I, I, I was kind of drawing the conclusion that there must be a, a big difference between going from one place to another in the physical realm versus going from one realm to another. So in Kolinar, what they're trying to do is go to your theory, not Shadesmar at all, right? right. And... It's Sean not is telling them the oath gate is trapped. If you do that, you will die. Um, and so instead of letting them initiate the oath gate, she transports them to Shadesmar to, to save them. Which, if we're spinning, you know, theories or questions, I, I could see that being something like Ja Anat is, might be using that. If Ja Anat is like betraying Odium, which seems to be perhaps the the hint there that Jana is actually helping our heroes against Odium. Maybe Jana is saying like, oops, somehow they didn't do what you meant them to do. They went to Shadesmar instead. Like, I don't know how that happened. It just <laughs> did like that, that, that might be Jana's reasoning to Odium saying like, what happened when Odium is like questioning Jana, why didn't you kill them or do whatever you're supposed to do? So maybe that's what happened. Well, how do they get out? Good question. Not through the oath this gate. A, is this a Raffo moment? I mean, Daddy Honor said no, no <laughs> Shadesmar to physical realm swapping, so that's not going to happen. Uh, we can we can chalk that up on our list of cliffhangers. Here is well, apparently they're stuck in Shadesmar. Yeah, I was going to say. Is are they going to be able to pull the like? Oh, we're friends with the Bondsmith card again. Like maybe. That's that's what was my thought. I was like, tell him you know Delinor, who's like Mister mm. Honor, and apparently Mister ODM and Mister Cultivation too. So you know, there's. I want to talk about the Spren real quick. That they see, they see all of the red Spren. Which spoilers for one sixteen, actually the end of one fifteen. They host in House Sadius. They see two large red spren that are. Venley actually describes them as still singer spren, but they're like super twisted and ancient. So th those are the thunderclass spren. There is a, a a big red mass that Kaladin and Adolin and Shalon see that also goes, um, and Venley sees that as well, which. Um, there's a there's a spren in the physical realm that Venley sees that Adolin, Kaladin, and Shalon do not. Do you guys remember which one this is? Shows up with Odium via the Everstorm. So I did notice one because it's not really talked about. Venley just kind of notices it and then you don't figure out who that is. She just describes it as like a dark swirling smoke. But it it seems important from the context. Like 
perhaps another unmade importance was kind of what I was kind of picking up on, but it just seems to be kind of hanging out with Odium so far. Is that what the one you were talking about? Yes. And I just wanted to highlight that it's specifically not in Shadesmar. It shows up with mm-hmm. Odium via the Everstorm. All right, we need a cliffhanger counter for the end of this episode. Uh, first one is happening now. Kaladin is running around, um, getting chased by these fused, and he runs out of stormlight. He's hovering over the sea of beads outside next to the oath gate, and he runs out of stormlight, and that's how we get we get left. Literally cliffhanger of <laughs> he runs out of stormlight. Yeah, not looking good for our our folks in Shadesmar. Um, I think Renarin counts as like three if we're adding to the. <laughs> or if it might well, have we'll get there. We'll get there. The fingers. Yeah. Um, I did want to say back to our little black smoke spren thing question mark whatever it is. Um, we've seen the Stormfather and we've seen the night watcher which i'm putting them in the same boat okay. as the like number two in command under the the gods or the shards of adonalsium whatever they're called we know odium is a god are we i'm assuming that it's gonna be even and he has an equivalent there do we know who that is, is that the like cha- champion or we, we don't have any confirmation of this do we like I, I'm thinking that maybe the smoke thing, or maybe that's in the Everstorm, is like his Stormfather. You know, maybe it's his little henchman fellow. You know, that's an interesting thought. I like that. I the only thing I recall that we've seen is the Stormfather has made mention of a sibling, and it didn't seem to be the Night Watcher when we heard it. I don't remember the exact context for it, but it was almost kind of a like. Oh yeah, we don't talk about the sibling, but it seemed like the perhaps the odium equivalent to Stormfather and and Nightwatcher. I had not thought about that potentially being this shadowy figure, but I like that idea. It could be. I I'd kind of yeah. thought of it almost as like so. You know that they're the unmade, and there's like the champion. Mm-hmm. The champ. Yeah, I was champion with nine shadows or whatever. That is a. What's uh, that is a title that is conspicuously missing definition right now. The, the only yeah. the last time we had a reference was Kaladin's vision, Dalinar's in trouble with up uh, in Thalen City, and he sees the champion of, of Nine Shadows there, presumably attacking Dalinar. Yes. And I took this as like it's, you know. I didn't fully know, but I'm I'm thinking that that could be whoever this champion is could be that sibling. Um, maybe so. Maybe it's Amaram. Who knows? But I'm curious to find out. All right. Beware of anyone who claims to be able to see the future. I have hinted about this in the previous episode. 
Not enough, apparently. Not enough, because both of you were like, what? But I asked you, is Renarin on the naughty list now? And both of you were like, nah, he's a truth watcher. He's fine. And now Yasna seems fairly convinced as she sneaks up behind him that he is in trouble. What are, you, what are you guys' questions? What are you guys' thoughts? I have thoughts. Okay. So, I'm gonna... I need to be careful with my words before I get roasted on the internet. Um, I'm not, I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna defend Renarin here. Okay? Okay. So... Bold. We know... I will explain. But... Uh, we see... We see here... Or I don't remember if we learned this earlier... Or if we learn this here. But we see with Venli that the fused are... I think we learned this before. The fused, like, inhabit a body. They they basically just go down and... He's getting a body and they're fused, you know. I'm assuming that, that to, you know, not the, to the Truth Watcher degree... Has happened with Bernarin. Not necessarily that he's, like... I'm not thinking he, like was like, I want to destroy good and become a void guy, uh, a fused or whatever. And so I don't think, I'm under the assumption that he was, he was kind of, he's being like mind controlled, potentially like not in a way that he, maybe he found a little spren and was like, oh great, everyone else has a spren, I can't wait to have one too. And then... Becomes Which, a void person. To add maybe a little bit of fuel to your <clears throat> your theory here, I mean, what you're describing is basically exactly what's happening to Amaram and his army. Little Red Spren have gone and bonded with them, sort of against their will. I want to talk about that in a little bit, but and and effectively mind controlling them and turning them against their own people. So could something similar be happening with Renarin? It doesn't seem super far-fetched to me. I mean, what better way, like, if if you're Odium, right, than to, like, forcibly plant a spy, an inconspicuous, that's probably not the right word, a non-suspicious person as a spy in the ranks of, like, the strongest people you have against you, right? Um, So we... In my head, we don't have confirmation that Renarin has really done anything wrong. We know he has a void spread, which is very bad, and I'm not happy about that at all. But I, I am actually dying for a little bit of Renarin point of view. Like, I want to know. <laughs> like, that's what... Uh, Interesting yeah. choice of words there, but... <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of the craziest parts about this for me is actually... I, I want to talk about Renarin, but it's Yasna's reaction to this. She, Paul, you were talking about this a little bit earlier was, as we were introing. It's almost like Yasna knows exactly what's going down. She like is tracking down Renarin so that she can face him down or something like that. Again, why are you not telling anyone about this, Yasna? Two, how the heck did you know? She's like going into this as, oh, oh yeah, Renarin, that traitor guy yeah i guess i should go face him down like what yeah and it it definitely seems like something that i i have such like 
vivid imagery in my mind of this. Like the rest, honestly, the rest of what's happening, like, sure, whatever. I have a very distinct image in my head of like how this is going down because first off, we get more dialogue with Ivory, which we haven't really had, but Ivory is like, yep, that's a bad sprint. Like that's a void sprint. Sorry. We gotta, <laughs> you know. And so Yasna, doesn't she ask someone before like, hmm, where's Renarin? Like just, you know, he's a family, whatever. I'm just going to go see him. And they're like, oh, he's at the chapel praying or whatever. Uh, maybe that doesn't happen. She, but- the the line you're thinking of is her her information was correct. Renarin is in this this temple. Okay, okay. So she walks into this temple. We see Renarin on his knees praying, and the spren is like out of or over his back, and it gives a very like ominous like a pretty ominous description, like low key ominous of like it's red and whatever, a little misshapen or something. Anyways, she approaches and she summons Ivory as a shard blade. And, you know, I assume she's just going to walk up and execute him. But I also assume that we're going to have some dialogue. But, like, that's in theory what she's doing is to walk up and just cut him out. You know, just end him. So. I think there's definitely a little bit of room there for this to go a different direction still. It's set up as if Yasna is like, oh, got to take you out now. But they still definitely could have a discussion here or we could have a little exorcism or something like that where where Yasna is trying to, you know, take on the spren and not necessarily Renarin. There's an important part, I think, and it's the very last few words of the, the Renarin snippet from chapter 116. The last thing we see is we hear Renarin whispering, no, not father, no, please. Which that doesn't sound like to me, someone who's like actively betraying his family and his people. It seems perhaps maybe along the lines of what you were thinking of Paul, like mind control or the other idea that was kind of bounced around my head was like maybe has Renarin like struck some sort of a deal with Odium? Has he like somehow come into contact with Odium and like made some sort of a bargain where he's like, hey, I'll be the inside man if you don't kill all of us or, you know, something like that. And then now he's realizing that, oh, Dalinar is now facing down this entire ar- army and now he's thinking, oh, crap, not father those pieces might fit together in that manner for me, but definitely a lot of ways this can still go. I want to piggyback off of that real quick and say, if he did strike a deal and he is the inside man, he's a part of bridge four. Do we have our number one suspect for the attack on the honor blade from last week? I was thinking about that. I I was thinking about that a lot because we haven't seen Renarin. He he's you know he's not very physically capable from what we've seen. He's smart, smart kid. You know we've seen multiple times where he freezes up. He can't like fight anyone. You know stuff like that. But if you have a void spren, right, that may change some things. I I would imagine, and so I could see him. Not only that, I I was trying to remember. 
I know. So, Truth Watchers have regrowth. Are they the other one with illusion? Like, the illusion well, thing? Or is that else callers? It's not, it's not else callers, right? I'm trying to look so at this, Trevor's thing in the background. This is actually a bit that's confused me because I had been assuming up to this point, and it actually, I think, messed me up on the trivia quiz we did the other other day. I thought his see the future was a radiant power associated with being a truth watcher. Now I'm questioning all of that. I don't think that is a power or a surge binding. So I don't know what the other one is now that he has. So the two surges for truth watchers are progression can be manipulated to alter growth and healing and illumination creates auditory and visual illusions. Okay. So he, so he does share a power with the light weavers. Okay. So I'm assuming that since he wasn't recognized as Renarin, that it was Renarin, but he's like woven or void woven him, you know, void unraveled like we know for um like a different person. Um It's his little version of uh what's her name? I'm forgetting Shalon's alter ego. Uh, Vale? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's his own little version of Vale that does his dirty work for him, you know? Could be. I think he's definitely on my suspect list, for sure. He's definitely top of the, the list right now of suspects for the the Honor Blade thievery. And And to pull this thread even further, if if seeing the future is not a radiant power, but instead something he's getting from this void spren, odium spren, this spren has been with him for a while because we connected the dots previously that Renarin was the source of like the countdown to the the desolation. Yep. Yeah, exactly. He was the one scratching on the walls, writing the numbers, counting it down. That's a while ago at this point, like months ago. And so this is not a new thing for Renarin. He's had this like the whole time. I'm thinking of like that scene where he charges into the, the dueling arena to save Adolin and, and um, Kaladin. Like even in that moment, he's got this void spren right. with him. Pre-Everstorm. Is is yeah. the is the important distinction there? Yes. Pre Dalinar encounter with Odium, yeah, all of that. Which, if we're going back to my potential theory or guess about some sort of like deal he struck with Odium, that means he's encountered Odium like before anyone else has, which is a bit crazy. Well, it's actually interesting that you say that because Odium. Odium is in for the long haul. If you've noticed, there's a specific phrase that Odium uses at the end of 115 that 
has very interesting implications. Uh, Elliot, you have this in the outline. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. So Odium talks about the, the line you're, you're referring to that I put in the outline is, I've prepared these men for decades. And what he seems to be referring to in that moment is Amaram's army of you know House Sadius soldiers. Because they're talking about like they're Venli is witnessing the the bonding of what seems like would be the thrill to all of these soldiers and turning them against. I took that as a reference to all the times the Alethi have ever felt the thrill that Odium has had. Didn't we talk about we've we've figured out it's Nergaul is yes. the the unmade associated with the thrill. Basically, Odium has had Nergaul conditioning. The Alethi people for decades for this moment, so that they are used to feeling the thrill and used to that being part of battle, so that he can send Nergaul in in this moment to just take control of the whole army. This is what I was going to talk about when I mentioned earlier about is, and this is going to spin us off into a whole another discussion. We, we can finish talking about Renarin first, but is Amaram's betrayal here a willing betrayal or not? But let's finish talking about Renarin first. But that that's that's what you're talking about with the whole I've I've planned for this moment for a long time from Odium's point of view. I mean, I think if we're gonna talk about it with Renarin, you can almost talk about them together in that like if it is unwilling you know, if they're just taken pretty much, like mentally abducted, then like you know, I have nothing against Amaram for that, right? Um, it's easy to see Amaram flying with red eyes and be like, he's evil, he wanted this, like, you know? Um, but with Renarin, I'm like, no, he would never. Like, he would never do wrong, so... My uh, boy. <laughs> yeah, my sweet darling boy. He would never, he would do no harm. Um, so that that's, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see. And I, I think we might get. I'm hoping we might get some answers to at least the Renarin part of this in in the coming chapters. But that the distinction I think is going to be important because I was worried. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago that Amram was going to betray Dalinar. The the way that scene was kind of leading into that, I was already worried that Amram was not going to be loyal to Dalinar. But in this moment, is it Amram choosing to join Odium? Or is it purely mind control? And I'm just based on what we know, and this might be true of Renarin too, maybe it's both. Maybe it's kind of Amram is opening himself up to, he he wants to betray Dalinar. And so Odium can use that motivation to, you know, thrust the thrill upon him. And we know that like the powerful emotions that come with that and use that as like an opening to get into Amram's mind and his whole army in turn them so maybe it's kind of a they're predisposed to it therefore amram can seize control or not amram odium can seize control of everyone and use them so it, it is sort of a they're acting not necessarily of their own volition but they allowed themselves to be taken over i think that the answer we get to that might be important in kind of how we judge this whole situation i think the distinction comes down to is this is the army of Red Spren that we saw earlier, are those fused awaiting hosts? Or is this 
the thrill influencing a human, but it's still a human. That's the, I think that's the technicality that this comes down to. That's fair. I think if they're surge binding, I'm assuming that, like if they're flying, I'm assuming it's fused. So we haven't seen the how Sadis fly yet. There are fused on the battlefield. They were already there, and though Odium sends an advanced force to go for the King's Drop, which we haven't even talked about yet, and why he's doing that. And he sends two Thunderclasts and some flying fused for the King's Drop. And how Sadius turns and marches on Thalen City. I don't know why I have it in my head, but in my head, Amram was flying. Like Am- him and his people were like surge binding, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" But right, Amram is still on his horse, and how Sadius is—they're all—they're all void bringers at this point, but they are not surge binding right right now. Okay. Um, I would like to talk about the King's Drop for a second. A second longer. Um, so, Odium tells Venli. Venli's like, why do we need a ruby gemstone? You know, what do we need it for? And he all that Odium really says is like, basically he's covering his bases. He's like, I'm just trying to prevent something that could go potentially go wrong. You know, in the plan. Which is so, what? Him losing, right? Or him dying, being defeated, whatever. Being okay. confused. So I'm taking that this gemstone is a key to beating RDM. That are, would be good to have. I don't know how you use it, but... You collect the ten Dawn Shards and RDM dies. You know? So... I'm trying to figure this out too, and I can't come up with an answer, at least a good one. Why does Odium want this King's Drop so badly? It it seems like the only benefit of this to our heroes is, one, a large source of Stormlight, which of course would be useful, but it seems like the really only unique power this has is like indefinite Stormlight. So it doesn't die out over time because it's a perfect gemstone. That doesn't seem very useful in a, a battle. We're talking about a short time frame. That this seems like something that would be more useful in like the the weeping, when right. there's you know two or three weeks worth of no stormlight. If you had this, you could hang on to the king's drop toward till like the end of the weeping, and now you have stormlight and no one else does. But we're not talking about that kind of situation here. We're talking about you know the king's drop is an, is an extra large gem. Well, if you just had the equivalent number of smaller gems that, that give you the same amount of stormlight, you should be able to do the same thing. Right? Unless there's some other power going on here with the king's drop. It seems like there's got to be, otherwise he wouldn't be so keen on on getting a hold of it. Unless unless scattering the gemstones was purposeful and they're trying to dispose of as much stormlight as possible before the battle starts i don't think he cares about the other gemstones he only wants the king's drop and so i think it is something notable and significant and important and hopefully i will find out soon you're like none of that trevor i'm sticking to this (laughs) no 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 
He's not like, let's stop their gemstone supply. Like, no, who cares? Who cares? No, he does not. He does not care. The only thing I could think of, and I need to go back and reread this to that would maybe answer it, is the king's drop like an infinite source of stormlight. Like, does it not run out? I thought Cheery Cheery drained it like the, fully. Cur- currently, the the king's drop is drained for the first time in what appears to okay. be a long time. There is no okay. stormlight in now. Granted, Odium may not know this at the at that time, but. Chiri Chiri did drain the King's Drop of Stormlight. So I think that rules out the, this is an infinite source of power sort of thing. So yeah, I'm still back to the, uh, yeah, maybe this is a, if you collect all, all the 10 Stones of Dawn, or I don't even remember what they're called, you unlock special powers. I don't know, but yeah, I'm really curious. This really is curious this is a so prequel important. to Avengers Endgame, and it's an Infinity Stone. <laughs> Infinity Stone? <laughs> Yeah. Done. Yeah, you just have one for each hand, and that's where the ten comes in. Yep. You know, and a gauntlet for each hand. Yeah. I will. I will say. I don't know why the king's drop is important, and it seems like a bad thing that Odium has got his hands on it. But I can think of one person who might be able to get it back for us, and she's been conspicuously absent from these chapters. And the person I'm thinking of is Lyft. And I think about this one because Lyft is particularly good at like zipping in and out of things quickly and stealing things, getting her hands on things. But she also seems to have some sort of like resistance or like not power over Odium, but maybe an immunity sort of to Odium's powers. We've seen this before where she kind of like pops in and out of places where she's not supposed to be where Odium is. And so maybe Lyft is going to show up here and save the day by stealing back the King's Drop and bringing whatever this super important power is back to the good guys. And Yanagon has a, a not very sh- short point of view section in this, uh, in 116. And that's one of the things that you get out of that point of view is where's, where's Lyft? gone well I, I think it actually says that she went back right right the the azish left and then they feel like they realize oh lift didn't come with us so lift seems like she should be here in in thalen city i want i want to highlight the azish or the azish or whatever you want to call it uh azish um their view on what just happened at at one fifteen and how the world is going to view this unless Dalinar can win this fight and explain what just happened, because the world sees oh our worst fear our worst fear is true the Alethi were in co- collusion with the Voidbringers the entire time they turned on Thalen City with the Everstorm. That's that's how the world sees this right now is they just broke their coalition for good reason because Dalinar and his entire army that he just supplied to Thalen City is now turning and attacking Thalen City. That's how it looks. And it seems like Odium is feeding that on purpose, which we've already seen Odium is, is a master planner. So I'm sure this was 100% intentional where he's turning a portion of the Alethi against 
the Thalens potentially against their will, but it's now getting broadcast as, oh, look, the Alethi just turn on everyone. Everybody fight everyone. To the point where that, that scene where Yanagon is getting that news, that messenger, it's a little suspicious. If you read that chapter, that, that section carefully. Ah, uh, yes. That messenger, like, neglects doing something. There's like a secret passcode or like something. I forget what it is exactly. But he, he doesn't do like the, the, the formal greeting he's supposed to do when he meets Yanagon. And it's in the haste of everything, they kind of gloss over it. But that to me told me, oh, this might just be another one of our Lightweaver fused who doesn't know all the necessary things to, to be an undercover Azish person. So I, I think Odium is feeding this on purpose. And we've got some other characters who are buying into this misconception as well. And those characters are Zeth and Nail. Those guys are apparently just chilling, watching this whole thing go down. They're they're I, they're like in the the cheap seats, you know. It, it it describes them as like hovering high above the the battle. They're just like you know popping the popcorn up there, like oh look there they go. There's all the little people down there. But they also talk about this. Oh, there's the Alethi turning on everyone else. Part of it, and of course, whenever Zeth comes up, I'm curious for Paul's take on it. I'm so glad you brought this up. So glad. Um, one, it is funny. They're just there, and they're like, "Oh, like this is a good moment. I can stop and teach yeah. you some things." Uh, like, th- look, that's a thunderclast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. And okay, so I feel I didn't get as much from this as I should have. Who's who's the voice of reason at the end of this little section? Well, the the questioning voice is definitely Nightblood. It, it seems right. like we're getting this this whole developing kind of plot line where there's there's kind of Zeth in the middle and there's there's Nail on one side telling him one thing and there's Nightblood on the other side kind of saying well, actually, if you think about this. So, right, exactly. So you have Nail on one side, and he's like, Yes, Roshar belongs to the Voidbringers. The Alethi have seen the light, and they are turning and joining and fighting for the, the singers. And then Nightblood over here, and he's like, No, they're evil. Obviously, they look evil. Let's go kill them. They look evil. They're evil. Like that's that's the whole argument for Nightblood. It's like they look evil. Exactly, uh, and it is funny to see. And so, I think this was my my point where I can't get behind Nail. So we we've talked a little bit about like is Nail evil or is he just confused or what? Like what's the deal? And here, I, I, he has a lot of credibility, right? Because he's a herald, he's a fifth ideal skybreaker. Um, he's even like raising Zeth up to start like a new, I guess, or 
order almost of Skybreaker. Um, mm. Side note, I don't. I'm thinking about like why did he bring Zeth Nightblood? Like there has to be a specific purpose for that. I don't fully know why he would trust Zeth with that, having not really, you know, like especially after the Nightblood Night Night Watcher episode where we see that Nightblood is never lost. He's just like the best. Anyways, Nail is yeah. He it seems like he just has this wrong. Like we as readers now are also a bit conflicted of like the singers were like the original inhabitants of this place. The humans, the Lethi, are like the invaders now, like realistically. But we as the reader also know about Odium, and we can just be like okay yeah odium is evil he is wreaking havoc and destruction and trying to destroy lots of things and the other gods and stuff right and so we can we want to side with the lethe we know that they are in the right at least for this purposes of our story right um and yeah and this kind of made me think that like nail is i i don't know I'm kind of almost at the inclusion that he's he's off his rocker, like, just end of story. Like, I don't know that I... Nail has been yeah. off his rocker for thousands of years. But I just... <laughs> I do understand that, but, like, I was trying to figure out, like, is his, you know, is he really, I don't know, net positive good? Like, is he going to do good? Right. And I don't, I don't know. And regardless of whether the humans you know are in the right here or who's the good guys and who's the bad guys i think honestly the problem i just have with nail is that the way his logic works is he can switch his allegiance at the drop of a hat he can basically say he's basically up there like a like a lawyer trying to figure out okay who has the legal grounds to make this assault hmm, let's see here uh clearly it's you guys so i'm on your side like that that's how he decides who he's fighting for is whoever has the 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 right paperwork done you know it's a very like yeah. a, a zish way of, of doing things and and that yeah i'm not i'm with you i'm not quite sure how to categorize nail either like and if he's on your sign i'm sure you'd be helpful he has a you know a larkin for crying out loud yeah but like and the He's very he's very blanket letter of the law, obviously, of the singers are correct and that is the end of the story. Does that make Dalinar evil? I don't care. I am now on the side of the singers. They are morally correct and Dalinar can go to damnation. <laughs> Literally funny. Anyway. Because, um, like, is Dalinar, is Kaladin, is Shallan responsible for the singers being thrown off her sharp? No. Does Snail care? No. I do still trust Seth. So I'm uh, I would love to see Nightblood put to use. And uh from what we know about Nightblood, I feel like he'd make light quick work done by lunchtime with these Voidbringers, you know, like. <laughs> we we might just get to see something like that, actually, because if you remember where that 
Zeth and Nail scene leaves off, it's Zeth like having another crisis moment of, you know, oh, clearly I need to do this, right? And Nightblood's like, no, not really. Remember when you used to do stuff just because a rock told you? And Zeth's like, oh, yeah. So I, it, I do want to, I do want to read that because. It's one of our Patreons, uh, one of our Patreon guys' favorite quote in this whole book, so he'll be disappointed if I don't read it for him. It's, it's a great quote. Do it. I have no choice. Really? Didn't you, tell you, didn't you tell me you spent a thousand years following that the instructions of a rock? More than seven years, Sword Nimi. And I didn't follow the rock, but the words of the one who held it. I had no choice, but it had always been nothing more than a rock. So that could potentially the conclusion of that scene might be Zeth dis- deciding that he does have a choice and he might choose the opposite of what he might side with Nightblood and say no. Nail, you say that the singers have the legal grounds here, but I can see that what's happening is not right. I choose to side with Dalinar and entering the fight on the side of Dalinar. Could happen. Remember earlier also whenever, was it Yasna who was like, oh, we should kill all the Heralds, by the way? Or so yes. someone came to that conclusion. Yasna did, what yeah. If, what if Zeth ends up killing Nail and Whoa. then joining Ooh. the fight? Like, he, he goes to join and Nail's like, no, you can't do that. Over my dead body, you can go do that. And so that's like, okay, I guess it's over your dead body. And then he does that and he saves the world and he's a hero and everyone loves him. Wow. Yeah. But that would, I, I think that could incorporate well because later whenever him and whoever end up, whenever he meets another notable character, I assume, or hope at some point, he'll be like, oh yeah, I killed Neil, by the way. Like that, that's one you can check off your list. So we'll see. I'm, I'm really excited for what happens with, Seth. Also, for legal purposes, that was a joke. I don't. Right now, I don't actually think he's gonna kill Nail. For legal purposes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something I do want to highlight, and it's it, it's kind of an off-hand comment in as you read, but it's very important. Uh, your theory is under attack. Like it's it's a theft, like maybe two paragraphs. But Teft walks out onto one of the balconies at Urethiru, and the Oathgate at Col- for Kolinar has been activated, and there's an entire Oathgate full of singers attacking Urethiru. And then it just switches back to our... But that's another cliffhanger we have. Yeah, you know, side note. While we're having an epic battle in Thalen City, apparently there's also a separate force attacking Urethiru, where there's probably not many soldiers left. Right. Teft has got the majority of Bridge 4 there, and that's about it. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of Lethe troops being mobilized to get to Thalen City, but then this Oathgate over here to your left just spawned a bunch of singers. You're like, oh, I guess we're fighting right here, too. Do we think Teft is going to die? Is he going to swear his ideal that his Spren keeps trying to talk to him about? Maybe he'll skip right to the last one and be like, I will die for my friends, and then... Maybe you know, and maybe then he'll die. pull an Elokar and he'll swear 
as he's being killed. as he's dying. Oh man, I I do hope not for that. I, I hope that just I can only handle that one time, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh, wow. Oh, I'm still a little hurt with that. By the way, like I wanted to see Elokarn be a shard, you know, a surge binder. I wanted to see his stuff. The crazy part is how impactful that scene was so much has already happened between now and then that it's almost like hard to dwell on it because we're so like in, engrossed in what's going on now are you guys ready for our last cliffhanger yeah so while all this is happening Sadius's troops breach the wall actually the Thunderclass basically picks up the wall and throws it, throws it, and there's a huge gap in the wall, and Sadius's troops start flooding through the the opening. And the chapter closes with a Novani point of view. She is crawled out from underneath the rubble with some, I don't remember who's with her, Queen Fen maybe? And she looks over to the gap in the wall. Some of Sadius's troops have already entered the city and are killing people. And Dalinar kind of jumps into the gap in the wall. He has the Way of Kings in his hand, and he's alone, as the title of the chapter says. And that's how we close. No shard plate, no shard blade, no army. It's just him and a book versus all of this. Thunderclass, singers, unmade. Odium himself. Wow. What what a scene. Can, can imagine the visual adaptation. Like, oh man. It, it it would have to it would have to hit so many notes so fast to give these two chapters justice. Like, oh. I, I can hear the musical score in my head. Just this epic moment of you know, slow motion, dust flying everywhere, down our stepping into the gap in this wall. Oh man. It's it's playing one of the main themes from the first movie because he's got the way of kings in his hand. And, oh. Yeah. oh yeah. I was thinking about this. Like this is so I talked about how I only had a vivid imagery for the Renarin scene. That's not entirely true. I'm sorry. I lied a little bit because I did for this. This was really, really cool. And it like talks and it's like, oh yeah, there's Delinar, like dust is settling. He's on his own, and he has the Way of Kings tucked under his arm. The end. So, is he going to use his language powers to read? Uh, <laughs> Maybe. He's just going to give a sermon. Yeah, just, the, uh, like, attacking army. I walked from Abamabar to your zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Any any closing thoughts before we keep reading? Just one more thing I'll mention in the, the whole process of, of Dalinar getting to that point. In the moment where the, when the thrill arrived and it converted, took over Amram and his whole army, it also came to Dalinar. And there was actually, I think, an important scene there where Dalinar, for maybe the first time, says no to the thrill. And... It, it, there's a, there's this tension there. It even mentions like the 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 connection of a, of a lost lover. He's drawn to that thrill. That is like there's there's comfort there 
in that those powerful emotions in letting that sort of drunken emotional destroy things state that that makes him feel better for perhaps the first time he rejects that and he says no i'm not going to to be that person anymore and this is after he's now recovered pretty much all of his memories so he knows full well what the thrill has done to him in the past and so that was a big moment for me too where he said where he denied that connection to the thrill and was able to resist it. And I wonder, I wonder if that plays into a bit of our guessing about Amram and those soldiers. Did those soldiers in Amram have that opportunity too? Did they have a chance to say no to the thrill and they didn't? And that might play into, you know, the culpability aspect of this we might have to get into later. But Dalinar has said no to the thrill and he's actively standing in the gap, holding back the the forces of evil, if you will, Oh man, I'm getting shivers just talking about it. And it it even tempts him with something it knows he he wants at the time. Mm. It tells him, "You can fight this. You have the ability. You don't need Shardblade. You don't need Shardblade. You only need me, and you can fight this battle." And he says, "No, I'm going to find another way. Go away." Really cool moment. Really cool. That was it. That was all I had to, to say. It's going to be so cool whenever he summons Cultivation, and then <laughs> um, Cultivation is like, be gone to the evil people, and they leave, and they are saved. I, I think we need to hit stop on recording so I can go read. I, it's true. That's literally what I was most excited about recording for. For, yes. I can read, what, like two more chapters? For our For our listeners... Um, or maybe your singers, I don't know. For the <laughs> listeners of our <laughs> podcast, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, just for your your guys's reference, that our next episode will be spoilers through one seventeen through one twenty, but we probably won't be talking about one twenty that much. We'll be uh, focused on one seventeen, one eighteen, and one nineteen. But read all the way through one twenty, just in case we need to reference something later. Um, at, but 120 will be focused the week after that. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. I, I understand that everybody yes. said yes. Okay, great. Got it. So, thank you for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Please enjoy your your readings coming up and we will reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Literally can't wait. Literally cannot wait. Bye.